Welcome to another episode with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and the entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore in the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. There's a decided difference between the purpose of a cold call and that of a discovery call. James Thornburg, enterprise IT strategist at Bridgepoint Technologies, continues his conversation with our market dominance guys, Chris Beal and Corey Frank, in order to provide you with some guidance about this important difference. During a discovery call, marketing language, also known as selling your product or service, is entirely appropriate. But if you're foolishly using marketing language during your first conversation with a prospect, well, that, my podcast friends, is the cold call kiss of death. Join these three successful cold callers as they discuss the components of each type of call and warn you away from the two biggest cold calling mistakes. Listen in to borrow from the best as these three professional salespeople lend you their expertise on this Market Dominance Guys episode, The Cold Call Kiss of Death. insight into what happens after the cold call. Somebody says, yeah, I'll take the meeting. Walk us through that. Sales. Do you use a methodology? Are you a Sandler guy? Are you a pitch anything guy? Are you a question-based selling? Are you ties? How does your demeanor change on the fact find and the discovery, the illumination, because they showed up for this meeting differently from, from the top of funnel, the cold call? So the next step is a 30 minute call. And so we have that 30 minute call with the client and it's to really kind of introduce them to the concept. Hey, do you see value in what we do and how we can help you buy technology? And then, then if they do, we walk them through the areas that we focus on. And while we're doing that, we're doing some discovery to identify if there's, if there's a possibility of a project in the future. So we're poking around a little bit, trying to find out, Hey, is there something that's coming up? And then based on, hey, yeah, you can help us out. We identify an area. And then the next step would be a deeper technical conversation in regards to their scope and then their requirements. And then based on that conversation, we align them with who we think the top two or three suppliers are and facilitate that process. Do you use a methodology or is it true empathetic kind of discovery, solution sell? What do you take from the cold call, your persona, your style, and use in the discovery or the illumination stage? Well, our process, I mean, it's very relationship driven because we're not doing the selling. We are streamlining that process to help them save time. And because the reality is, let's just say you have a, a project that you're working on. You have three vendors that you're working with. You're meeting with a direct sales rep. I mean, their job is to sell you their stuff may or may not be the best fit. And so when customers go and they reach out to these vendors directly, they have to sift through the noise, factor fiction, and who's the best fit. Where we step into that is we say, hey, meet with us first. We'll do some discovery, get an idea of your requirements. And then based on that, we'll we'll make some recommendations. And then we facilitate that process and get them the information that they need so they're in a better position to make an informed IT decision. So the process isn't like your typical sales process where you're following a certain methodology. I mean, we do have steps in the process that we follow, but it's not a traditional sales approach because we're not direct salespeople in a sense. Got it. Got it. What's more fun for you? 
Do you have a balance of um, how often you do cold calls, how often you do discovery, and do you yearn for doing one over the other? I'm enjoying it all. I mean, to be frank, it's, right now I have a great process. I make calls maybe like an hour, an hour and a half a day. Typically four or five days a week, pretty much every day. Anywhere between nine and 11. And then in the afternoon, it's dedicated to, to meetings. And depending on the day, I may be running two or seven different meetings. They might be net new meetings. They may be follow-ups, things of that nature. And, uh, and then what people don't get to see, uh, and it's kind of hard to understand, is there's a whole world of selling and working deals behind the scenes with the different providers in terms of registration and things of that nature, competitors. I mean, it's a knife fight. And what people don't really realize about this business is that these deals don't always go through the front door traditionally like how people expect them to be. I mean, there's a lot of maneuvering on opportunities to get things done. How about from a metrics perspective, James? I think Chris, at any given time, you give him seven seconds notice, he'll pull up the data and the stats for his team and know within the first hour of the day if they're off or who needs help on the intro or who needs help on tonality. Do you look at, as kind of the proprietor of your own practice there, do you look at the stats at that level of tactical detail of how you're doing on one day or the other and dial to connect or dial to meeting, or if you're getting your butt kicked in the intro, maybe it's a tonality thing and I should probably change it up. How do you use math of the data to kind of alter or calibrate your sales process? I do have a general idea in terms of what my numbers look like. I don't get overly concerned about, hey, you know what, my conversions are down this month. Like, I, I just think it's a trend. I mean, you look at last week for me, I set five meetings, like an hour and a half. Never happened before. This week, I'm at one meeting, one meeting, probably 20 conversations. So not horrible, but not great. And so it just, it flows. It flows. And some days I'm better than others. I can feel it. You just know the conversations or I'm catching the right people. But I have a good idea in terms of my conversions. I mean, it, I mean well, Data Connect is kind of irrelevant, I guess, right now. But Data Connect was trending at probably close to three and a half, probably three and a half percent. And my, but my conversions on my conversations are right around 10 out of 10 people I talk to, I'm converting one of those. <clears throat> and that's probably different than when you first started, right? I mean, you probably didn't start at 10%. So I was at 5% and then I was converting, you know, around 10% on my follow-ups. And so now I have a more follow-ups. I think I've gotten a little bit better. So my conversions are up a, a little bit, but it's it's been sitting around the 10%. What do you see, Chris, from data overall? Obviously, that CEO connected cell, you kind of sit on top of the mountain and see millions and millions of, of calls every single month. What are you seeing as far as trends from dial to connect and uh, conversion rate? If I'm an average rep and I'm just getting in the game and I work on James' team, and I have a, a minimal amount of training. What, what, what's my conversion rate? What should I expect from a dial connect rate? What are some of the best practices you're seeing just from administering so many dials and being in charge of so many tens of thousands of conversations? Yeah, there's not a lot of big trends. It's more individuated. Um, when it all back down from conversions, from conversation to meeting conversions, you know, for folks who are just starting out, the big issue is they tend not to well, they tend not to know what to say. They tend to make the two classic mistakes. There are two huge mistakes you can make in a cold call. 
One is using marketing language and marketing language will drive people to say we're set. That's the most common outcome from any conversation. Cold conversation is you get we're set. And that just means, you know, you over telegraphed what it is that you do in a way that insults that person and basically implies they weren't doing their job. Like, why didn't you know about this? You were waiting for a salesperson to call and tell you how to do your job. Most people don't take to that that well. And, um, you know, so that's that's pretty classic. And then the other one that you see among among new um, reps and among people who have been doing it for a while is we're great. You know, we're great. We're fantastic. We help companies like, uh, you know, Mercedes Benz, Toyota and whoever do X, Y and Z. And it's like, uh, yeah, my daddy's stronger than your daddy. Got it. We're in the third grade playground. And you get psychological reactants to your grade. If you can avoid both of those, you can actually do pretty well in cold calling, saying almost anything as long as you insist on the meeting. It's kind of funny, but given that it's a bit of a high wire act for people who are learning. And that's actually, I think, the value of training and consulting around this is message consulting and then training. It's not so much there's the tonality, there's all the stuff to learn how to do, but there are these two like you know, mistakes that eat up 95% of all conversations, which are you either tell them what business you're in and they say we're set, or you tell them that they're an idiot because you're great and they're not. Yeah. And what, yeah. you just avoid those and life's pretty easy. 5% is, an, is kind of an okay journeyman cold conversion rate. Uh, masters, you know, Cheryl can go into any industry. She went into commercial real estate and knows nothing about commercial real estate. Converts at 35% out of the box. Just because she's, she knows First of all, she truly believes in the value of the meeting, truly believes in it, insists on it. This isn't a game. <laughs> this meeting's really important for you. And by the way, she's, you know, she means it when she says, you know, thinking back, I think can't think of one person who's ever told me it was a waste of their time to meet with Henry. Mm. What are you gonna say? Yeah. Like all they're off, all you're asking for is their time. Yeah. I can't think of one person who said it was a waste of their time. That's pretty good. That's like a that's a testimonial that doesn't insult. It's very very simple. So it's that kind of thing. The the numbers can be up in the 30s, 40s, 50s, up in Scott Webb territory, up in the 70s. It does require that you be prepared to hold the meeting that you offered, rather than some other meeting. And it's an unstable thing. And I don't think it's so much in the cold calling. We can teach lots of people to cold call if they got a good personality, decent personality, like other people, want good things. Most important thing, you have to want something good for the other person. You actually have to want something good for them, like inside yourself, right? It has to be part of who you are when you, this is, I think, more important than personality is, I'll call it kind of ethical stance. In the general case, do you want something good to happen for another person, even if you've just met them? Some people do. Some people don't. It's like some puppies approach you and lick your hands. Some puppies cower back in the corner and are afraid you're going to do something bad to them. Every one of us is one of those kinds of puppies at birth. And some people manage to make a transition to the other kind of puppy, the friendly ones. But some people kind of stay in that fearful state and can't come out and play. Because nobody's going to come out and play with you if you don't come out and play. I mean, why would they? That's 
dumb, right? So I think it has a lot more to do with that than technique. Um, and what people can expect from Dial to Connect is Dial to Connect doesn't really change very much. If your lists are fantastic and you take great care of them and your market's big enough that new folks are coming into it about as fast as you're having conversations, which cause them to leave, your Dial to Connect is going to sit in the 20s. Your follow-up Dial to Connect will sit in the teens mm-hmm. just because those are people who answer the phone. And your reschedule which is the ultimate is going to become your primary weapon over time. That conversation. Hey, I see we had something on the calendar, right? Think of how flustered I was coming in here, apologizing to you guys, calling Thornburg. God, I'm so sorry. I was half an hour late for this recording session. I felt like shit. (laughs) You had me. Yeah. We had the moral authority authority frame as our friend Orrin talks about. Exactly. So I think that's where the game is really played is not, it's not where people think it is. It's not in the mechanics. It's not in the numbers per se. Sure. It's, I hate to say it like this. It sounds crazy, but it's kind of in your soul. Mm. I like to say that you got to have heart. And if you have heart, then it comes across. People can tell that you care. Yeah. yeah. And if you're making these calls and, and you don't have it, then it's going to come off or, you know, you're a crazy person. You're just <laughs> You're a crazy person. So... <laughs> Yeah, you're dead inside, right? You're it's a it's a single one way street, I and mean, you have to be willing to to be vulnerable to expect somebody to reciprocate in their vulnerability to establish trust, right? Chris, you talk a lot about that. Yeah, but I think your stats that you're talking about, Chris and James, even get your opinion on this. If if I'm an average two three years out of school, I've had a couple of gigs. I like to think I'm a I'm a sales guy or gal, and I'm at five percent. And, and I got this Cheryl gal sitting next to me and she's doing seven X what I'm doing on a conversion rate. And I'm going to say, and let's say then you have your sales manager. What is sales managers kind of fundamentally missing? Because it seems today in the industry, it's, well, let's just keep hiring a bunch of quarries, not realizing, wait a minute, if you use some curling approach, if you use some OMG, if you use some, uh, certainly you're a big fan of how you interview and the questions to ask spend a little bit more time on that, finding more people, people, people with heart, you're going to get a return. But of 7X, let alone if I'm sitting next to Scott, where he's going to do 10 to 12X what I'm doing on a given day and a given week and a given quarter, that's just staggering that sometimes us, we as sales leaders, we're focusing on the wrong thing sometimes. If those conversion rates that drive conversations are so disparate. The spread is big. <laughs> it's big. It's I don't know, James. So your, your thoughts. You're one guy, so you don't you don't deal with the spread. You deal. Well, with but yourself. I mean, I have Robert calling with me, right? And so it's hard to say because I, I don't think the spread is going to be that big doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know? We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to ten times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. And we're back with Corey.
Corey and Chris. Yeah, because I look at his numbers. I mean, he's really good. He's got a completely different approach. I steal a lot of stuff from him. And he's got, but he's got the energy and he's done a really good job. We've had a good run and we have a completely different approach. Like I said, I steal his jokes and things like that, but we're both trending around that 10%. And so, and I haven't seen anybody else. I, we had somebody working with us um, and, and really their problem wasn't, they were converting lower. I, I'm happy when I have people calling for me, when I hire more people trending at 5% doing what we do. And as long as our conversions on the closes, I'll take that all day long. The problem is, is finding somebody to actually do the work, <laughs> making the dials. And if we can, but the 5%, I would uh, take that all day long. You say making the dials. I've never seen you make a dial. You must exactly. make one to get in a I connect. Mean, Isn't that yeah. funny? I mean, what else are you going to say? I mean, it's hard to, you know, you got to say make dials. I hate pressing buttons. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's a funny thing. You know, even my reps talk about making it, making dials. It's like, I go, you know, let me check. Let's see. You made one yesterday. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. You had 5.68 hours of conversations and you talked to something on the order of 55 people. Yeah. So you pushed a button 55 times. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to check with your doctor and see whether you're checked out to be allowed to do that or you got arthritis or something. You change every day and you give the guy, it's like with the, a good bullpen, you get about five days rest between starts and a, <laughs> you got about nine days rest between fingers, I guess. That's, that's the, the, the strenuous. So James, what's missing? What do you, what's a skill when you listen to people like Cheryl or Ryan or Chris Beal or Scott or any of these other masters Right. What keeps you awake at night saying, gosh, I wish I had more of X skill to get to 11% or 12%. What are you working on right now to boost that even more? That's a tough question to answer. I mean, I, my pitch, I like the framework. I would like to be able to condense it, but still be able to get the same messaging across in terms of the problem. And so I'm, I'm working on some things to try to tweak that to, to make that better. So, so if you guys could help me out with that, that'd be great. Well, I actually think you do two things on a cold call. It's your own business, so you can do it and it's fine. So you actually do a little bit more description of what you do in a way that doesn't insult that person. It's such a new kind of thing anyway. It allows them to think about it. And you get a pretty qualified meeting. Yeah, they're intrinsically qualified. I mean, that actually in your business, I think intrinsic qualification is probably pretty straightforward. Everybody who's running an IT shop that's bigger than a bread box has tech purchases that they got to do. Right. Timing. Timing is timing. Who knows? Right. So the question right. is, are they in market right now? But you actually do, in my opinion, a little bit of the discovery call, not that you're doing discovery, but you're offering them the chance to see whether they fit into that kind of problem set, so to speak, at this moment. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. I mean, the 10 percent is a really big number because it, your conversions go up. The average shop that folks are running when Reps try to do anything resembling discovery, anything resembling qualification on a cold call, they can't cross that psychological barrier that keeps them from blowing the trust. They just can't. When they switch to selling, they follow one of the two big problems, which is either you get the we're set, which is not answerable. No one in the world can answer the we're set objection. Oh, that's great, James. You know, we're set. Uh, no, you're not. What are you going to do? Right. Fight them on that one. No, you're, yes, I am. No, you're not. Well, yes, I am. Right. Information superiority. I know my situation. Go away. That, all set means go away. 
That's right. All set means go away. What it means is you've told them enough that you've offered them another way out of the conversation. And their goal is always the same. I think this is the hardest thing about cold calling is to remember that your goal is whatever, right? If it's just to get trust, it's nice and simple because you always win. If it's to get meeting as gravy or now or a follow-up later, then it's good because I didn't blow it. So I can talk to them later. Right. So I'm kind of setting the table. So that's all, that's all, you know, kind of like it, that's an okay place to be when you try to go to the next thing, like you start selling. And when you start selling, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just all there is to it because the person has one goal. You cold call somebody, they have one goal right up until the point where they hang up the phone. And that's to get off this call with their self-image intact. It's actually a qualified goal. Goal, get off the call. Qualification, can't blow my own view of myself. That's the only constraint that keeps them from hanging up immediately. That's why when, James, you offer, hey, you know, I'll tell you this and then you can hang up. What you're doing is actually kind of shining a light on the other side of that that goal, which is, by the way, I'm pretty sure that you want to keep your self-image intact. So yeah. kind of hang with me a little bit here, you know, yeah. right? The, the elements of civility. I, I actually think this is where the game is played. And this is why cold calling is so, so hard is we have a hard time keeping in our heads in our hearts, that the other person's goal is to get off this call with their self-image intact. And the moment we offer that as an exit, they're out. They're gone. Mm -hmm. So, which is why a challenging question or using marketing language that could put them in an awkward position where they don't know something is so damaging. Is that what you're saying? Oh, marketing language. We all know what marketing language is for. Establish ourselves in a category and differentiate from others in the category in a way that's of value for our target audience and no one else. That's, you know, that's a master's level course in marketing right there. There's only two things we're trying to do. We're in this category and we're different from the others in a category in a way you care about and value. Boom, done. Use either one of those in a cold call and you're toast. As soon as you say the category, you're saying you are waiting for a sales rep to call and tell you about a category of solution that apparently you're not aware of. Yeah. You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like that's not what they're waiting for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's and, and marketing departments get close to cold call messaging because they think it's their job. Guaranteed failure. Shot in, you're just shooting yourself in the head every time. And is that is that the uh, much of the core of a three, four, five percent conversion rate versus yeah. 25, 50 plus percent conversion rate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the person who gets the 25, 50 percent conversion rate, they only have one goal to get trust. Then they have another question, which is, if I were to lead from here with curiosity, Will it resonate sufficiently with this person, which means is my list any good, not anything else, to, that they will agree verbally to take a meeting, mm-hmm. at which point I'm done. And then I see one more very delicately. Maybe we can get it on the calendar. Right? But if not, so what? Modern tech says send them an email with a calendar invite. It's on their calendar. They agreed. Why should we question their agreement? Who are we to say, no, that wasn't an agreement when you agreed to meet with me? You dog. 
if you don't put it in blood, I ain't meeting with you. It's like, what's that about? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what... that, I mean, the conversions though, I mean, it, it, it's dependent upon the industry that you're in and what you're selling. Would you agree or disagree with that? I've, I watched Cheryl and I don't know. I mean, you've, you know, commercial insurance is impossible. There's no way to get meetings there, right? Scott Webb gets, gets them at that level. And it has to do with the common, it, it has to do with mindset and the willingness to put the meeting in the air rather than on the calendar. That is, that it's using a modern thing that wouldn't have worked before, right? If I got a verbal from you in whenever, 1992, that said, yeah, sure, I can meet with you. And it's like, okay, great, I'll shoot you something. And then there's no, and then, but if I shoot you a calendar invite, it's on your calendar and you did agree to meet. I told you we could move it around. If you don't show up, I also know you answer the phone. So we're going to have a little conversation that's very nice, very respectful. Something important must have come up for you. When would be a better time to meet? So Cheryl calls this going from if to when. And I think it's the biggest thing we do in sales is we go from if we're going to engage to when we're going to engage. And we just leave if behind. There ain't no if anymore. It's just a question of when. Let's get Cheryl on the phones. Let's have her pitch uh, Bridgepoint. Whoa. Oh, I tell you what, you, you probably outbid me for her. Heads up competition. <laughs> Who heads up competition? Let's see. <laughs> What's next for the cold call king, James? Next for the cold call king, year three for me. Yeah, you're coming in year three. I, did. I mean, I survived. I mean, people that the hardest part of this business, people, people pretty much run out of money in six months, 12 months, depending on how much money they had. And they say you're a made man if you make it two years. So I, uh, I haven't, I'm, I'm pretty much made it. Now it's just a matter of building the business. So I'm, I'm thinking about trying to find people to, to make calls, give me a little bit of help. I mean, we'll see. But next year, 2022 is about building and getting a little bit more finesse about my processes and things like that. I mean, it's been a lot about survival the last two years. And so now that I'm at the, at a point where, <clears throat> hey, it, Looks like you made it here. Probably make some tweaks for 2022. You laid out for me in June of 19. You called me and helped me a lot. I was, it was a very difficult time in my life in that week. A tragedy had occurred and I was walking through the airport in San Francisco going out to, to take an Uber over to the Rosewood Hotel and meet with Sean and Jonty and Manny and talk some things over about the business. And you called me said, I'm thinking about doing this. Could you be of some help? There is nothing better in the world than having somebody ask you to help. That's, that's simply when you're feeling imperfect. That's wonderful. And you laid out a high level plan. You said, this is what I think I can do. Because I asked you kind of how do the numbers work? Right. And you laid out kind of how the numbers work. You're the only person I've ever known in a 42 year business career who's told me how the numbers were going to work and then made the numbers work just like that. Because you're pretty much on plan, right? Right on plan. I'm doing better, actually. Uh, so Amazing. this year, I'll probably close out the year at um, first year was 16,000. This year, I'll do right around 150 to 160. And then I have about between 250 and 300 next year. So right on the right on the trajectory. I mean, it's right. Uh, and and I think next year is going to be where I, <clears throat> where, where I, I land my Maybe not an elephant, but a, a game changer uh, in terms of opportunities that are in wow. the pipeline and things like that. But it's been 
I've been scrapping quite a bit. Nothing real big, no silver bullets, just day in, day out. You know, I've closed, I can't remember what it was, maybe, I can't remember, it was like 35, 40 deals, somewhere around there, I think, since I started. So, but yeah, yeah, it's been a great experience, so. No, it goes both ways. It's been, it's been really just tremendous working with you. That discussion we had on, I think it was November 5th. I think it was the day before my birthday. I was out on this barefoot run and we were talking about what could happen going forward and kind of put something together. And still remember how uh, excited I was about that conversation. Cause I thought, wow, you know, here's a guy's really going to go after it and do it right. And so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, Corey, how often do we get to do this, right? It took, to be just a part of somebody doing it right, making it happen. It's astonishing. Just to be, just to be in the cheap seats and, and watch you week after week, month after month, put those calls on the board, right? It's great. It's incredible thought leadership. It's incredibly brave. You have, uh, have you had clients who have seen you go through this process as well? Is, is that endearing for any of them? Do they appreciate the hustle uh, factor. Um, what do they say when I have a few? Yeah, I have a few fans. I don't promote it a lot. I don't really use LinkedIn for a lot of prospecting and things of that nature. So if people find me, they find me. And yeah. then I have some existing customers and I've, I've won a couple people over and people respect it. I think they, they respect the work that I'm doing. You know what I mean? I'm trying to provide for my family and trying to make things happen. I mean, it, it's entrepreneurship. I mean, it's Oh, yeah. Very, very raw, you know, just a single guy with really just connect and sell and, and doing the work. So, well, it just shows we've talked about this in virtually every episode, right? I mean, to, to define your market and you have and to dominate your market and you're on the way to get basically a deal, deal and a half every month on average for the, for the two, two plus years that you've been doing this. I mean, you're tasting blood every month. Right. You're, you're knocking them down and the money's made in the follow up. And clearly with all the relationships and the exhaust and the residue, of the picker uppers that you've had over the last two or three years that may not have been ready or in market. Right. Uh, all, 20 months ago. With, all the people that I've met with. I mean, it's just it just keeps on stacking up. And that's what I mean. I mean, it's it's not a six month run. It's not a 12 month run. It's not even two years. It's I think at the end of three years, we'll see how it really kind of plays out and it's exciting. Well, well this show is called market dominance guys, not it. And it's about actually dominating market, which you're doing. You know, we've never done this. I'm thinking of sharing a little screen here. Let's give it a shot and see what happens to us. I'm going to have to explain it because it's an audio podcast, but here you are, James, this is you. This is only starting in April because you switched over to a Salesforce kind of thingy rather than what we were doing before. But actually you know, these conversion numbers, look at this, this is, that's meeting count. So what we're seeing is starting kind of in April of this year, 10 meetings a month, 12, 23, 22. Ooh, August was quiet. Did you go on vacation? Nine. And 25 meetings in, or 26 meetings in September. And then October was a little quieter, a little smaller number, 26 again in November. Does this look familiar? Yeah, it's a little inflated because the way that my sales force is integrated, there's ones that I kept. It's basically people that I'm following up with that I've met with before. So it's counting those meetings. So it's it's probably 15% off. But Oh, I see. So this is actually your follow-ups. Well, that was kind of what that was what Corey was just talking about. It's so interesting that sales 
this is the difference between sales and market dominance to me. Sales tends to be about this quarter and occasionally about this year. You're not doing sales for somebody else. You're building a dominant business. Yeah. You're building a business that's going to provide your family with a legacy. This is like, <laughs> this is for real stuff. Ed Abbey once said, if you want a good driver, strap him to the bumper. You're strapped to the damn bumper. Yeah. Well, for sure. I don't normally screen share because we have videos, but not everybody gets to see them. But this is this is what dominance looks like. And if anybody who's listening to this gets a chance to go out and follow Funnel Radio and find out where this, this video of this went, you're literally looking at a picture of market dominance because that we talk cold call, cold call, cold call, cold call. We talk cold calls, but statistically, the purpose of a cold call is to generate opportunities for follow-up calls and then meetings generate opportunities for follow-up calls also because guess what just because we met with them doesn't mean they're knocking on our door the next day yeah and you're proving the math of 36 months to dominate a market and uh, that's the math right never changes market dominance is a 36 month process it it just is because the replacement cycle for everything in b2b is about three years yeah. And you got to be front and center when a guy like James talked to you last month and he's going to call again this month because, you know, he's going to pick up the phone again. And the joke's going to be the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still, funny. it's still funny. Hey, guys, my wife just texted me SOS. I don't know what's going on. I need to just bear with me for a second. Are, are we almost done? Do we want to get yeah, back? You know, we're going to wrap it. We're going to wrap it up here. So. You know, the king, it's it's Chris. It's always good to be in the presence of royalty. And uh, James, you know, we want to thank you for what you do to our profession. And certainly as an advocate of, uh, of connected cell, an advocate of cold calling, an advocate of humanity, of human to human interactions, couldn't be bigger fans than, than me and Chris. And we certainly appreciate all you're doing. Wish you nothing but the success. And for those of you that don't follow James Thornburg on LinkedIn, you're you're missing out, certainly. So please subscribe to his his page. So uh, James, any final thoughts and, and uh, you know, um, words of wisdom you can give to mere mortals, non-royalty folks like ourselves? I, I don't know. I mean, my wife just texted me, SOS. I guess my dog ran across the street. So I'm like, I gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta run upstairs before I get in trouble. And she's leaving in a little bit too to go to book. Right. But hey, listen, if you guys want to get together again or have another conversation, it's, it's up to you. Beautiful. Well, for the Market Dominus guys, this is Corey Frank with Chris Beal. Until next time, keep dominating your market. Thanks, guys. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's modern and innovative sales toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. 